Generation Church, based in the beautiful Rex Theater in the heart of downtown Pensacola, Florida. Our hope is that today's teaching will encourage and equip you to be firm in faith, to fulfill the call of God in your life, and to finish well. Grab your Bible, open up your notes app, and let's dive in. This morning I'll be reading from the letter to the Hebrews, the Hebrew Christians, and I'll be reading chapters 3 and 4, covers a lot of important topics. Therefore, holy brothers, you who share in a heavenly calling, consider Jesus the apostle and high priest of our confession, who was faithful to him who appointed him, just as Moses also was faithful in all God's house. For Jesus has been counted worthy of more glory than Moses, as much more glory as the builder of a house has more honor than the house itself. For every house is built by someone, but the builder of all things is God. Now Moses was faithful in all God's house as a servant to testify to the things that were to be spoken later. But Christ is faithful over God's house as a son, and we are his house, if we indeed hold fast our confidence and our boasting in our hope. Therefore, as the Holy Spirit says, today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as in the rebellion on the day of testing in the wilderness, where your fathers put me to the test and saw my works for 40 years. Therefore, I was provoked with that generation and said, they always go astray in their hearts. They have not known my ways. As I swore in my wrath, they shall not enter my rest. Take care, brothers, lest there be in any of you an evil, unbelieving heart, leading you to fall away from the living God. But exhort one another every day, as long as it is called today, that none of you may be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. For we have come to share in Christ, if indeed we hold our original confidence firm to the end. As it is said, today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as in the rebellion. For who were those who heard and yet rebelled? Was it not those who left Egypt led by Moses? And with whom was he provoked for 40 years? Was it not those who sinned, whose bodies fell in the wilderness? And to whom did he swear that they would not enter his rest, but to those who were disobedient? So we see that they were unable to enter because of their unbelief. Therefore, while the promise of entering his rest still stands, let us fear lest any of you should seem to have failed to reach it. For good news came to us just as to them, but the message they heard did not benefit them because they were not united by faith with those who listened. For we who have believed enter that rest, as he has said. As I swore in my wrath, they shall not enter my rest, although his works were finished from the foundation of the world. For somewhere he has spoken of the seventh day in this way, and God rested on the seventh day from all his works. And again in this passage he said, they shall not enter my rest. Since therefore it remains for some to enter it, and to those who formerly received the good news 
failed to enter because of disobedience, again he appoints a certain day, today, saying through David, so long afterward, in the words already quoted, today if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts. For if Joshua had given them rest, God would have not have spoken of another day later on. So then there remains a Sabbath rest for the people of God. For whoever has entered God's rest has also entered, has also rested from his works as God did from his. Let us therefore strive to enter that rest so that none so that no one may fall by the same sort of disobedience. For the word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the dividing of soul and spirit, of joints and marrow, and discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. And no creature is hidden from his sight, but all are naked and exposed to the eyes of him to whom we must give account. Since then, we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God. Let us hold fast our confession. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weakness, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are, yet without sin. Let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in the time of need. Let's go ahead and pray, and we are going to jump right in. Thank you, Dana, for the, uh, introducing the scripture today, and let's, let's pray. Here we go. Lord, we, uh, we love you very, very much, and just thank you for the opportunity to come together, Lord, and be a family, and uh, Lord, have communion and community, and I uh, just ask that you would uh, really take over right now um, my thoughts and my uh, voice and every, every, everything that goes on for the rest of this time together, I pray that we would all be encouraged and be inspired to be more like you, Lord. We love you so very much in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, so Pastor Luis, if you weren't here last week, started this series. Um, it is a, a study of Hebrews, and um, we're, we're looking at really Jesus is really the, the main thing. Um, Jesus is greater than bunch of different things we're going to be talking about and did talk about. Last week, Pastor Luis, the thing that stuck with me the most was um, just the, the importance of not allowing ourselves to drift away from our faith. Um, and this book was written to Jewish Christians, uh, obviously in the, uh, in the early church, <clears throat> and they had a difficult time um, believing in Jesus, to be honest. They had a, you know, he came and he completely flipped a lot of things upside down and turned things away from what they had been for so, so long. Um, and so they had, a, they had a difficult time of not drifting away from maybe a, uh, you know, a newfound faith or just like in the parable of the, the sower, the seed that, that takes, a, takes a, a little bit of a root but not quite a full deep root. So um, it's real important even for us today that we always are cognizant and always aware of our closeness to the Lord. So that was a great message. Look that up online and listen to it if you weren't able to be here. But today we're going to go through chapters 3 and 4. And uh, I won't be able to hit every single verse, um, but we, I have uh, pretty well two different sections and different thoughts that uh, the Lord showed me through this. So basically as I was preparing, um, you know, as I always do, is just 
Lord, show me what you want to say. And even maybe it'll be different this service than last service because as we're going to see, the Word of God is living and active, right? Um, So I've read Hebrews quite a few times. And uh, one of the verses that we're we're going to key in on has never hit me as hard as it hit me these past couple of weeks. And I hope that uh, it encourages you as well. So <clears throat> the first little section here is where it does talk about Jesus being greater than Moses, the first six verses. And uh, it, it's pretty interesting how he uses the house analogy, right? So um, I'm in the home construction industry and I, we do floor covering. And the cool thing about my part of the industry is a lot of times I get to see the, the end of a construction project. So you know, there's some framers and roofers and even some the front-end guys. They may not get blessed to see what it f- looks like when it's done. Um, so this, this analogy really spoke to me because Moses, it says he was a servant in the house that God built. And we're talking about Jesus, obviously. Jesus was there at creation. Jesus has been there all along, right? So um, the, when you go to a, a home... Um, you know, you, the owner and the builder of the house is God. That's what it said in that verse back there. Um, we, need to honor, we need to honor God as the builder and the constructor of our faith. Um, and so Moses, obviously, he was a, a great, great man, and he was a great prophet, and he did many, many things and wonderful leadership. Um, but we have to remember, and it was probably... I mean, it, it's hard for, hard for us, but it's, it's even the, Jew, the Jews back in the day, especially right after Jesus had come, you just have to imagine and, and understand how, you know, Moses, Abraham, David, those guys were just like, you know, patriarchs and still are, of course, but even so much more so for the Jews. Um, but Jesus is greater than Moses. And then at the end there in verse, chapter, or verse six, sorry, we are his house. If indeed we hold fast our confidence and our boasting in our hope. And so here again, the writer of Hebrews is continually and constantly encouraging us to hold tight to our faith. So that kind of finishes up a little bit what Lois was talking about, you know, just continually be um, making sure, and, and it's a daily adjustment, really. It's a daily thing that we have to do to make sure that we're close to the Lord and we're hearing his voice and we're holding tight. <clears throat> so verses 7 through 11 is where we're going to spend, well, I say that, it's actually so these two chapters are kind of commingled, and they talk, it talks about rest a lot. Do you remember hearing rest, anybody? That's the section we're going to talk about now, uh, or the thought we're going to talk about now, is God's rest, his promised rest. And another word that you really could uh, substitute for rest is peace. As we're reading this and as we're thinking about this, um, I'm sure, just as I, as, we, as I said, and I'm going to say again, the word of God is a... a is a living word, right? And so it's going to, some people might read this and, and focus on a different area of rest and peace, and, but I'm going to kind of just share with you what, what God showed me. I think here in this, God is talking about three different rests or peace, pieces, right? three different pieces. Um, and the first one, I think, it, is the, the past rest, the past peace, which was his promise to the Israelites of the promised land, right? So it talks a lot in there about the Israelites and how they didn't get to enter God's rest um, and his peace because of what? Because of disobedience. I heard it. I heard a whisper. You can kind of hear a little bit up here. 
even if somebody in the you know, back of rows, if you say a little bit, I could hear. I, I like to hear, you, just so you know. I, mean, I like to when you guys talk back to me. Okay, so um, <clears throat> yes, disobedience held them back. Disobedience. And, and you know, when we learn, we're, we need to learn from this. So here's the, here's the three things. I'll give them to you and then we'll unpack them a little bit. The, the past rest is the promised land. And we got it. So your first blank on your outline is we must learn from the past rest. We learn from the past rest. We embrace the present rest, which we'll unpack, and we prepare for the future rest. So we learn from the past, embrace the present, and prepare for the future. And the past, what I feel like the, the biggest thing that God wants us to take away from this is, um, of course, remain obedient. And just as we learned from Moses that he did not follow God's instructions all the way, Okay, all the way. That was the big thing is he didn't, if you remember, the main thing that, the main disobedience that kept Moses from the promised land um, was when the Israelites needed water and God said, speak to this rock. And what did he do? He hit it. He didn't, he didn't do it all the way. He didn't go all the way through. And um, so we've got to be, we've got to be close in the way and pay attention to the details and obey um, in a timely fashion and obey all the way through, right? And then also, um, I'm sure you guys have felt the same way about when we read the Israelites in the time of Exodus and Leviticus. Um, <clears throat> man, were those Israelites just complainers? <laughs> I, I really think that God is telling us to be thankful, be grateful for what he has done. And, and you read it. Now, now, it was 40 years, so we've got to remember that when we're reading it because we can read through that little 40-year section probably pretty quick. Um, but still, they were just delivered from Egypt. It, uh, imagine, I mean, imagine us as, we can't, we can't I, I know I can't, I'm sure, I don't think anybody in the room um, in terms of a country has been under oppression. Maybe so, I can't say that for sure. But I know for, from American perspective, it's very difficult to be able to really understand what the Israelites um, went through, but what God had delivered them from. Isn't that just the crazy thing when you read it? It's like, man, how are these guys, how are they complaining? But you know what, it was because they didn't have their proper perspective. They didn't have God in first place in their life. And that's just something that we have to continually remind ourselves of. So let's learn from the past by remaining obedient and grateful. Second, embrace the present rest. Embrace the present. So this is, this is where, well, the next two really are the ones that we can really take a practical application to. And for me, and I, I hope some of you can relate to this, uh, you know, life is just so fast, so busy. My, my little twins, my babies just turned two, and before I know it, they're going to be ten, you know. Uh, but the, the rest that God has for us, the promised rest, um, it, 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 it's difficult. Can anybody say amen to that? It's difficult to find quiet, still calm time with God. And, you know, that's such a powerful, powerful thing. Um, so what I want to encourage you to do in this is when we think about this promised rest, um, we can find that. It's not easy in this time. It's very difficult, um, but we can find it. So um, I, I can think of so many days when Chelsea asked me when I get home, hey, how, what was your day like? And I'm like, to be honest, I don't know. It went so fast and everything was a blur. I you know, some days I'll get home from work and 
Everybody has different, different things they're going through in different stages of life, but I'll, I'll pull up my phone and look back, and I'll have 100 calls that went and came and gone, and it's like, goodness gracious, that is not, I don't know if that's right. <laughs> uh, I don't know. I mean, it's like, I know I got stuff done, and there's, you know, stuff happening, but man, um, life, can, life can be fast. So we have to find this balance of doing things and doing good things. You can do too many good things. Did you know that? You can do too many good things and just miss, miss God. You can be too busy to hear from God. And uh, in this moment, and what we need to do um, today, which is a key word for this, this message today, 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 we need to embrace the present rest. So don't move too fast. Um, here's something that just has always been taught to me and stuck with me forever of a way to um, slow down and em- embrace Sabbath rest, really, is... <clears throat> divert daily, okay, so daily we divert, that just means, you know, find, uh, you know, at different stages of life, it's going to be more difficult for me right now, the, I get a little bit of time in the morning, and a little bit of time at night to divert, and that's about it, I mean, there's occasions where I get a little bit of time in my office by myself, but the phone rings, and emails, and it's, it's, it's not, not very often, but divert daily, so daily find a way to get away from the hustle bustle, get away from whatever it is, <clears throat> whatever your, um, really whatever your, your work is, whatever God's called you to do, um, step back and just be in the presence of God. Divert daily, withdraw weekly, and abandon annually. Withdraw weekly is what he talked about there in chapter 4, I believe it was. Um, when God rested on that seventh day, he wants us to do the same thing. Um, I've heard it preached so many times, and I think I've preached it before, that probably the, uh, the most disobeyed Ten Commandment is the Sabbath rest because it's, it's one of those that the Scripture talked about, the deceitfulness of sin. That's one that is very easily um, twisted on us. It's twisted that we're to constantly be doing, we're to constantly be achieving, we're to constantly be doing this, and that, that means that you, you can't slow down, you can't rest, you can't take a break, and, and you have to, have to, find a way um, to break away. So um, that doesn't mean necessarily that you don't do certain things on the Sabbath day. Whatever your day is, um, and it, you know, it can change weekly. I'm not here to tell you that it has to be Monday or whatever. Um, you know, have one day where you, you literally don't do any work. And so for me, I, I haven't done this in a while just because I don't mow the yard as much myself anymore. I have somebody else do it. But Mowing the yard for me was Sabbath rest, okay? I don't, I, I had for a season, but I don't cut lawns for work. Um, I get on a riding lawnmower, I would get on a riding lawnmower and I would rest and that was Sabbath rest for me. So Sabbath rest for you could be laying tile, not me, um, uh, or, <clears throat> you know, answering the phone, taking phone calls. Basically, you, you know what you do for your, your work and what you do and what you need to rest from, and that's what God wants you to do, right? So please, please take that to heart and withdraw weekly. And then thirdly, abandon annually. In other words, find a way to go on a trip, vacation. Anybody love vacation? Everybody loves vacation, okay? Raise your hand. Everybody loves it. There you go. Thank you. All right, so divert daily, withdraw weekly, abandon annually, and that's how we embrace the present rest. Um, Third thing. Prepare for the future rest. So it does tell us um, in that passage there that we are to remain vigilant and be steadfast and keep 
the faith. So we prepare for the future rest, which is obviously heaven, right? That's when, uh, when we're going to get to ultimately, you know, we were, I was talking with our, oh, my, my uh, business leader small group on Friday. We're not going to ever be called to laziness. We're not going to ever be called to just sit still. I believe we're still be doing things in heaven and working for whatever God wants us to do, but it's going to be different. I can tell you that. It's going to be much, much better. Um, it's going to be uh, a wonderful, wonderful place. So the future rest that God has promised to you and to me um, is amazing. So let's prepare and be ready for that. And, and that kind of goes along with what Pastor Luis was saying and staying, uh, allowing ourselves not to drift. <clears throat> so the next, the rest of our time, we're going to focus on chapter 3, verse 13. I'll read it again because I know it's been a minute since you heard it. But exhort one another every day as long as it is called today, that none of you may be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. So, right off the get-go, exhort. That's kind of a <clears throat> biblical, churchy word that doesn't get said too often, in at least my, my communication, but uh, maybe for you. Um, exhort. I don't, ex- <laughs> I don't tell my kids, I'm exhorting you. No, I'm encouraging is another word that's used in a different translation, or I warn, warn one another. Um, the, wor- the Greek word is parakaleo, and uh, it means to call near, to invite, and this is the one I really like, to invoke by imploration, hortation or consolation, beseech. So this word means to strongly encourage someone to do something. And I believe this verse is telling us that um, we're to ex- exhort one another, we're to encourage one another. And when it says one another, I believe that means people that we're close to, other believers, it doesn't necessarily, and I, don't, I, I really don't think this verse is telling us to um, go out and yell at somebody you don't know, hey, you need to do this. No, this is about, which we're going to get into, those who are closest to you. So um, we're going to unpack um, four keys to biblical exhortation or encouragement. Um, and before we do, I want to kind of mention that uh, Jesus taught us in Matthew 7 something that I believe many, many people get twisted and confused. And he taught us that um, we're to, remember, remove, it's uh, chapter 7, verses 1 through 5, remove the speck in your own eye. But what he says is he says, do that first, then go to your brother. Some pe- a lot of people think make, take that scripture to mean that I shouldn't ever call someone out. I shouldn't ever, um, I, you know, you focus on yourself. Yes, focus on yourself first, then we are to go to our brother and help one another. And this scripture, exhort one another every single day, that's telling us, and this is a difficult thing, guys. I can tell you, um, I've <clears throat> been in ministry and, um, you know, even in, in leadership in the marketplace and stuff, I, this is something that I've, I've had to do a lot. And, and it's in different, different areas, different arenas, business world and um, church world and everything. And it's not easy, but <clears throat> we can't allow... We can't get, get deceived to think that um, we, we're not supposed to confront people or we're not supposed to encourage other people to do the right thing. How many people in the room, I didn't do this for first service, but how many people in the room like confrontation? Oh, oh, kinda, kinda, we got a few. Okay, some people like it. Okay, there's very few hands. I don't know if you looked around, 
Very few hands. I, I don't, I can't say I, I love it. I can't say I enjoy it. Uh, but I can say that God has called me to it, and I have been doing it a lot in different ways, and um, I, can, I can do it. Um, and I've had some, some, some successes and, of course, some failures. Um, Jesus was the only one who was 100%, right? Um, but this is not an easy thing to do. It's very difficult at times. But I've got four things that I think will help you because, obviously, as the verse said, we are called to do it. He said, exhort one another when? Today? Okay, so tomorrow is going to be today, right, Josh? The next day is going to be today, isn't it? So that means we're supposed to be doing it. Um, it's, it's, it's difficult, okay? I'm, I, uh, after first service, somebody came up, and it was a great conversation, and he said, yeah, I'm, I'm really just trying to figure out how to do what you're telling us to do. And I said, I, me too, man. <laughs> but uh, here's, here's four things, and uh, we're, we're always going to be on a journey. But you can do it, and you should do it, as we're going to look at. So the first thing is maintain relationships with others. Now, I say that because... <clears throat> It's easy and can be tempting to get alone and do life by yourself. And, and Satan wants you to think you're good enough. You don't need other people. Uh, people are going to make you mad. People are going to get on your nerves. Don't do life with people. That is a lie from the enemy. You need other people. How many people, anybody in the room watch cop shows? Probably going to get more hands for that. Yeah, there we go. Okay, I love cop shows, man. I love, there's so many good cop shows out there, but... Um, in cop shows, you notice this, and military guys and uh, law enforcement guys can totally understand this and get this, but how many times do you see, like, a, a partner, right? You always have a partner, is that right? Every cop has a partner, or at least one, and sometimes in the military stuff, it's obviously much more than just one, but you never go at an enemy or a, or a bad guy alone, right? You shouldn't, that's against the rules, but um, don't go at it alone, you go at it together, and that's the same thing in, in our Christian life. Pastor Roger tells us all the time that we're in a battle, and it's very true. Um, we need one another. We need to help one another. <clears throat> and as I said earlier, um, biblical exhortation is someone that you are close with, someone that you know, someone that you know believes the same as you in terms of believing in Jesus. Um, that's really what this is focusing on, not necessarily going out and just correcting everything you see wrong, um, those people that are close to you. Don't go out and, you know, try to exhort, encourage, warn, whatever, somebody you haven't talked to in 10 years. Let's, we're talking about the people you're close to. And every person in this room, every person in this room has somebody that they can encourage, has somebody that they should be mentoring, has somebody that they should be exhorting, okay? So the devil likes to try to tell us that we're not good enough. He tries to tell us that um, you don't have the right words to say. Uh, that's going to be too hard. You're going to make them mad. And you might. You might. But God's called us to do it. Amen? All right, so we got to first maintain relationships. So I want you to write this down and think about this this week. Number one, who are your mentors? Who are you? Who's, who's exhorting you? Because just as we need to exhort others, we need to be exhorted. And who are you mentoring? Who are you leading? Who are you called to teach or exhort or warn? So that's number one, maintain relationships with others. Number two, listen for God's leading through the Holy Spirit. He is going to be there. He's going to speak to you. You're going to begin to feel these nudges. Hey, 
that doesn't feel right, you, 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 you're in this person's life for a reason, talk with them. Talk with them. And then the next step is where it, can, it really starts to get difficult. The relationships part is not so difficult. Listen to the Holy Spirit is not so difficult. But here we go. Embrace and welcome healthy confrontation. We already determined that very few people in this room like confrontation. So this is difficult. I get it. But we need to have healthy confrontation. A um, couple things to note here. Timing is huge, okay? Timing on when you confront someone with something is very critical, okay? Um, I get told the same example to first service. It's silly and simple, but it's, it's just uh, something that will help you to know what I'm talking about. But, you know, I preached first service, and I'm sure there was something I said I shouldn't have said, and somebody could have, close to me could have exhorted me, and I said, hey, not in between services. <laughs> That's not the right timing, unless it's like huge. But anyways, you know, you get what I'm at point. Timing is huge. So you know the people that you're going to be encouraging and exhorting. Um, get to know their life a little bit. There's been times where I get up real early in the morning and, um, you know, 5.30 a.m. And I'm thinking, oh, I, I got I to gotta deal with this, you know, at work or whatever or wherever. And uh, I'll go ahead and text them. I'm like, whoa, whoa, it's 5.30 a.m. I shouldn't text them right now. You know, timing is huge. Also, um, think really hard about your delivery and um, how you present the communication. I know there's many ways to communicate. This type of stuff, I would say probably about 89.5% of the time is best in person. I know sometimes there's, there's times when you might just have to, for whatever reason, do a text or email, and there's some value in having things in writing, but when you're doing what I'm talking about, you're going to need its best one-on-one -on -one in person. Um, if you want to take a note of an awesome book that I read years ago, The Power of One-on-One. -on -One. The Power of One-on-One. -on -One. That's talking about mentoring and exactly what we're talking about. Um, so we're exhorting one another when? Today. When it says today. Every day that's called today. So we got to embrace and welcome healthy confrontation. I know that's hard, and I know that that is not, you know, that's not the most fun thing to do, but um, we all need to be doing it, and you have different, everybody has different, you know, it might just be for some of you in this room, it might just be your children. It might be, some people may have 12 people, you know, um, but think about who you're mentoring and, and, and really take, take the, the charge to um, Call them out when they need calling out. We're, we're hitting this together, just like I said with the, with the uh, partner analogy. So the, the last thing is approach each situation with grace like Jesus did. Approach every situation with grace. You have to realize that when you do this, <clears throat> this is something I was taught years ago and it's really, really helped. Um, in every situation, you have your part they have their part, and God has his part. So God's always going to do his part. We don't even have to worry about that one. God's going to do his part in the situation. You are only responsible for your part, but it does take all three for things to go the way that they, you want them to go and for it to be a successful um, where you see fruit. And then here's another thing about it. I've had many times where initially it didn't go good. It was an argument, or, and it was, you know, it, it didn't go well. But most of the time, I guess I can't say all the time, but most of the time, maybe down the road, they'll come back and say, man, 
thank you for what you said three years ago or whatever. Um, I've, I've fired a few people at work over the years. Um, <clears throat> I don't know if all, but most, very close to all of them have come back later, maybe some of them a month later, some of them two years later. Man, I'm really sorry for what, you know, why all the, you know. So you do your part. You're not responsible for their part. Now, and God's going to do his part. So just focus on your part, and uh, that's going to help you um, approach it like Jesus did. And approach it with grace. And listen, it's off your, I don't know what the best way to say it, but it's out of your responsibility once you have done your part. So leave it up to God at that point, and they do have to make the decision for themselves. There's one one particular example that I have, and this was probably eight or nine years ago where um, we had a guy who was serving on our youth team, and um, he came to me and said, "Hey, Adam, I'm, I'm gonna have, I'm gonna be moving." Um, he played drums, and he said, "I'm gonna be moving, and um, I'm gonna go join a band with these two guys who I knew, and I knew that it was not a good idea, um, and I wrestled with it, and I thought, you know what, I gotta, I gotta say something. I gotta, you know, have a so we went went to Chili's, had dinner." And I said, dude, I know what you said you want to do, but I'm telling you this because I love you. Um, you're my brother. Um, we, had gro- we had grown up in the youth ministry together, and then I was the youth pastor now, and he was serving on the worship team. Um, and I said, man, I really don't think you should do this. And thankfully, he didn't. So that was a, a success. I've had other things that I've done that, you know, said, hey, this is what you should do. They didn't do it. They went the other way, and, you know, that's how it went. But our responsibility, this is telling us to exhort one another when every single day, right? And what are we exhorting them? We're almost done here. Um, in fact, worship team can come on up. Uh, where is it? There it is. We're exhorting so that none of you may be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. It is, if you're not subjecting yourself to being exhorted and exhorting one another, doing life together, you can really easily be deceived. You can be twisted. So um, two other scriptures that I want to highlight from verse, I mean, chapter four is right down here. And this is, I got to get this out of your way, Nate. You ready? All right. So you guys saw me set this thing over here. This is a two-edged sword, baby. Oh, man. I, uh, Chelsea knows this, and some of my family knows this, but I, I love swords. They're so cool to me, and I didn't have a cool one. I didn't have a two-edged sword. I don't have a two-edged sword, so I called somebody who I thought probably did, and it's Eric Easley, my man Eric, um, awesome brother in the Lord, by the way, who we did, we, uh, good guy to go to war with for sure, and, um, oh, golly, but the Word of God is a living. Can you put it up for me, Ray? Verse 12, there it is. For the word of God is a living and active. It's sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of soul and to spirit, of joints and of marrow, and discerning the thoughts and intentions, we'll careful, of the heart. I thought about bringing up a a volunteer uh, to do something fun, but I thought that's dangerous. I'm not trained with this. I'm trained with this more than I'm trained with this. Um, but you know what? One thing before we stand up and worship together, how this works and what that means, the word of God is living and active, sharper than a two-edged sword. The verse we just unpacked, verse 13, careful. Uh, the verse we just unpacked, verse 13, 
it, it, it exhorted me, then it exhorted me to exhort you. Hopefully it's exhorting you to exhort someone else, right? I'm not going to break something, Stephen, but exhort one another, okay? The, the, the Word of God will pierce. It'll, it'll change. You're going to read this again in a couple years, and you're going to feel something differently. It's going to speak to where you're at right then, and it's an amazing thing. And one last verse, and this is one I believe we all should probably memorize, verses 15 through 16. We do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are, yet without sin. Jesus was tempted just as you are. Let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. And that verse there to me just, just speaks to why we have to fight so hard against condemnation. That verse tells us that Jesus, he's got grace for you no matter where you're at right now, no matter where you've been, no matter what you've done. Listen, we're talking about Moses. Moses did amazing things for the kingdom of God. But you know what Moses also did in his early years? I'm sure most of you know this. He murdered somebody. He killed an Egyptian in the early part of Exodus. And then, you know what? God turned around and God used him, man. Condemnation steals so much. And no matter where you're at right now, no matter where you are, where you will be, God is right there with you. And he's been through everything that you've gone through and are going through. And man, Taylor, Taylor messed me up first service with, with his communion message, man, about <clears throat> the chosen and just how, what Jesus went through on our behalf. I'm telling you, don't let condemnation take you away. Don't walk out of this room today without turning your life over to Jesus, without completely surrendering everything. Condemnation will try to <clears throat> tell you to live on your own. It'll tell you to try to not come to church. It'll tell you to not be around other people because you're not good enough because of what you did. But I'm telling you right now in this room right here that God wipes all that away every day, every minute, whenever you need it, wherever you're at. So stand to your feet and we're going um, to worship together. But before we do, I'm going to pray for you. <clears throat> I believe that we need, to, we need to really understand, we need to really embrace that last scripture that Jesus has been there. Jesus has been going through what you're going through right now. Jesus has... He can, he can relate to where you're at right now. So, Lord, I come before you right now, and I just thank you for your blood. I thank you for the power that we have in you. <clears throat> Help us, Father God, to surrender completely. Help us to um, embrace your forgiveness. Help us to receive what you have for us today, Lord. I just pray for each person in this room and anybody who's, who's feeling guilt or feeling condemnation in any kind of way, Lord. We just thank you for Jesus, and we, um, we surrender our lives to you. Just repeat this prayer after me, everybody in the room. Dear Jesus, I give my life to you. I'm sorry for what I've done. 
Make me new. In Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for hanging out with us at Generation. You can connect with us on Facebook or Instagram at Generation Pensacola or go to the website at generationpensacola.com and from wherever you download your podcasts. If today's teaching impacted you, we'd love to hear about it. So please drop us a note.